In this episode, we discuss what feels like an inflection point in Rick's business. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about founders who are in it for the long haul. I'm Rick, and I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. And I'm Tyler. On the side, I work with Rick on Leg Up Health, but my main business is a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. What's going on, Tyler? Hey, Rick. What's up? Um, we've got a little bit of a milestone today. I don't oh, really? know if you pay attention to our episode numbers, but we are. this is episode 150. Oh. We've been doing this for a while. Yes, we have. <laughs> Other people who have been doing it the same amount of time, but actually do it every week are at like 400. It's been like quite a while <laughs> since we started, but we had a hiatus and we do it every other week. Uh, but no, yeah, we're 150. What are our numbers? Like I haven't looked at, I haven't actually logged into, we use Transistor. Yeah, it's uh, basically, so Transistor estimates like a number of subscribers, which is, I believe the the average over the last three episodes, how many people downloaded it in the first like two days or something like that. We basically, we have 204 subscribers according to them. And that has been consistent for if basically, if, if you look over all of our episodes, I'm looking at the report right now, there's this very slow up and to the right. And then a big surge, which I believe is when Cortland added us to the Indie Hackers <laughs> podcast network. I think I say big surge. We're still only at 200, but, and then it's basically been plateaued at uh, around 200 ever since then. So yep. I think we, we've got our listeners. <laughs> they listen. <laughs> We're not adding any new listeners. <laughs> uh, Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, what's going on with you? Well, um, we launched a new website at Leg Up Health that's been on my to-do list for two years. Um, and uh, I talked to our, we have a, a marketing coach, Garrett, and he, um, I was like, we, we, we pay him monthly for like a certain amount of hours per week to coach us and then also do some um, execution work. Um, and I was, I basically was like, Hey, you know, like it's not that useful for you to work in December or January. So if you want to pull those hours forward and do something more meaningful, like build a website or outline a, the website, uh, if you can outline it, I can, I can, and, and sort of wireframe it, I can design it and implement it. Um, and he did that. And so it took me like maybe, four or five hours and I built the new website using his wireframes and launched it. And it was like a huge win. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so did he just take it and run with it or did you already have a lot of like conversations leading up to that so that he could come up with this new website on his own? Well, the thing is we, we basically have spent so much time together over the last six months and we, the first three or four months was all strategy work. Like who are you? What do you want to be? Let's build some messaging. So he already knew, like I had the message. He basically just took the messaging framework that we built mm -hmm. and applied it. And he knew, had enough context on the decision-making behind the framework that he made changes where necessary. And then he hired a copywriter as a subcontractor to like polish the, the, the copy. Mm. Um, and then when he handed it to me, I made very few edits. So it all was very good. Yeah, it looks good. So the, the H1 is feel confident you and your people have the right health insurance. Um, much more of an employer focus. I assume that was deliberate. Yes. Um, I think one of the, one of the hard things about marketing, um, and in general, like picking who you're for your, your ideal customer profile is that you have to alienate people. Um, in order to be mean, be very meaningful for an individual, you have to alienate other people. And, um, we chose the small business owner as our ideal, um, which means you can't really talk to a small business owner the same way you talk to like 
a general Utah consumer. Um, and so that's what we chose to do. Yeah. Um, I like it. I mean, this is why every big company, if you go to Salesforce or Slack or, you know, any of those, well, I guess those are both Salesforce now. Um, you go to their homepage and it's like a bunch of nonsense that doesn't say anything about what they do. And it's because they have to appeal to everybody and there's no way to, and like the advantage a startup has is being able to say, yeah, we're not for that type of person. My, my default as like the design and marketer and copywriter side of me, what I always want to do is like the top of a homepage being like, who are you? Uh, and like click on one of these and then you'll go to the homepage for that person. The fact that like no successful company does that makes me think that doesn't work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, so um, yeah, we still have like, uh, we did, we do go out of our way to like put an uh, 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 individuals. Like, so um, if you go to the, the page, like in the navigation, you'll see um, individuals and businesses. And so we still have a, a portion of our website dedicated to individuals um, and CTAs around that. Uh, but, you know, if you come to our homepage, you know, you know you're going to see a, a business pitch more so than a consumer pitch, um, which, which is, you know, by design. Um, we don't think this will impact us too much because we, th- we think that the way that consumers were finding us were through referral anyway, mm. and they're still going to like, you know, come here and click individuals and go through the process. Um, the other, the other place people find us is through SEO. And that generally means they hit a, a guide or a blog post, and then we can direct them from that blog post with appropriate CTA to the right section of the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, the big win we had already was one change we made was we pretty much the call to action we had was start, start a quote, uh, or, uh, uh create an account. Uh, that was our previous call to action. We shifted it to book a call um, and sign up for a free account. We we had our first call book uh, uh, on Monday, and it turned into an enrollment a few days later. Wow! Uh, from a consumer, like was a business individual? owner with four employees looking for their own individual health insurance, nice. and so now it's it's kind of like ideal, right? Like you got this business owner; he, he just moved from Texas to um, to Utah, has four employees in Utah. Um, wasn't interested in talking about the business options yet, but like mm-hmm. we get we we get him added to the account revisit it. The next time he has a health insurance question from his employees, we expand to leg up benefits. Okay. So sorry. You said, okay, book a call is the main CTA. And then the secondary one is sign up free. What did you say they were before? Uh, get a quote and, and create an account. And get a quote, took them to some like insurance marketplace thing for consumers. And then sign up. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot. I mean, my impression of how JD's like, even the consumer clients, there's very little actual self-service, right? Like pretty much everyone's talking to JD. The, the whole the thing that leg up health offers is service. So the idea that it could even be self-serve, I think that's from a time when there was this like no code app that had questionable value, but the hope was like, if we say it enough that it does have value, <laughs> but the reality is the software on its own doesn't really have much value. Is that fair to say? Um, no, the point the, the we're, we're, we're effectively a service provider reselling and reservicing a, another company's product, um, which is an insurance policy. It's not software, it's insurance. Um, well, okay, but I mean the sign up free, that's get the software. That's not get insurance, right? Yeah, um, exactly. It's get the service. We want we want sign up free to mean get the service. Uh, and we want that to be in software enabled. Um, but right now, like it's very much just software with like oh, yeah. funneling JD to a call. But there's a lot of opportunity to make our software more, uh, engaging, um, 
through like an onboarding flow and, and like custom workflow, like depending, taking more inf- information about someone's situation and making recommendations long-term. Yeah. This has been a thing on my mind because, you know, I, I'm the one building that software now. And I, when I started writing code for like up health, I was kind of thinking like, this is going to be half service, half software. People will sign up. We'll have like, my, like my life at less annoying CRM, all of our lives is we keep adding features and adding features and going back and polishing old features and adding more features. And I kind of just assumed that's what this would be. And increasingly, I'm like, the features probably don't matter, but making the technology an on-road into the service and like, how can we automate things so JD can get the same level of service while spending less time? <laughs> I, and can, can we go on a weird tangent here? Can yeah. we brainstorm something related to like, like up health right now? Yes. Um, I've, I've mentioned this to you in Slack before. I have not heard your reaction to it, so I have no idea what you think about this. Should I be turning the software into almost a totally bespoke CRM for JD to so that like it's not just what tools does Pipedrive offer? It's like this is yeah, you're you're making that face when I, I don't I don't know the answer today. <laughs> probably not today. It's probably like not the right use of resources. Um uh, I would say like if it's super close to the the pr- the product what, what the software is actually enabling, then mm-hmm. yes. Uh, it should be in the software, but if it's in this sort of like uh, stepping stone away realm, where uh, it's pro- it probably belongs in our CRM, which is PipeDrive. But at some point, like when we have more than one person, it's going to make sense to like start going like, okay, like we- let's take the next step into like displacing a third party CRM. Yeah, the, the long term future is one or the other. I think because we've done this at Lessening CRM for for a long time, where it's like. We use our own CRM, but then we all like our CRM is not really meant for us. So we have this like other layer of custom thing we built on top of it. But then we also use front and then we use uh, Bento for sending out our emails. Yeah. So I think like uh, where I would draw a line is for customers and users, um, I would put that in uh, our uh, software gotcha. for marketing and leads um, and and deals um, I would keep that in, in pipe drive, um, mm-hmm. or our CRM. Um, but yeah, like that's kind of where I would draw the line today and feel pretty comfortable. That would get us a long way. That makes total sense to me. Just to say out loud, the, the, the thing you lose there is the handoff between CRM and like, I, I guess, do you have a vision for long-term? Like, like right now, JD's doing it all. <laughs> he's doing sales. He's doing a lot of the marketing. It's one person doing everything. But I think his core job is more like he's he's creating a model for what service looks like. What does sales and marketing potentially look like? Are you imagining, oh, there's like a team of salespeople that hand people off? Yeah. So this is, um, I, I think like our, our, our next three people probably look different than what this looks like at the next phase of scale. So I think there's probably like. Yeah, we're in phase one, there's yeah. phase two, and then phase three is kind of. The, the ideal scenario is. Uh, being like the ideal scenario for any business is being able to hire a person and give them a quota and have them hit that quota and grow your business. Like that's the ideal scenario. So ideally what we could do is we could hire a person and say, um, you, we're going to pay you, uh, a salary, uh, and a commission and we'll pay hundred percent of your commission for a year. But in that first year, it's your job to make it so that you're hundred percent commission, um, in year two. And I'll uncap whatever you are, uh, or you know, 100% paid for by profit sharing or like your book mm-hmm. of business. 
Um, and, and so like, and then you just like pull the rug out, you know, in terms of like the guarantees and they've got a book of business that they're managing. That's the ideal. You eat what you kill. You eat what you kill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are so, but, but when you're trying to build a service business, um, and you're trying to scale service, there's all sorts of traps that that could fall into. And so for that reason, um, like I, I, I shy away from like trying to repeat like the JD, like, uh, one, like one person sort of like, uh, does it all. So then you end up with a specialized, you know, some form of specialization where either you have, uh, a kind of like a, an account manager, like coach person who takes a lead, um, once it reaches a certain stage and you have a separate team focused on generating those leads, um, uh, and there's downsides of that, or you split it, uh, and they continue to service the client through the life cycle and they always have a book, um, or, or you split it where it's like, there's a kind of a, 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 a hunter and a farmer and, you know, a handoff there, but there's all sorts of downsides with that as well. Well, so like at Lesson Wing CRM, what we, I don't know how much we decided this versus this is just what happened due to my inexperience, but like we skipped the sales part. It's like, yes, there's marketing. We're, we're more self-service than Leg Up Health is, but it's like, we do whatever we can to get people to our website. They self-serve sign up if they want like a quote unquote sales interaction. They're just talking to customer service. We just say, and you know, they, it's not like they're not trying to sell but they're not on commission. There's no quota, nothing like that. Like That's another approach is just say, we're just going to push leads to support directly, basically. Yeah. And, and the, the I think where, where, where you get challenged there is your ability to uh, gr- grow, right? Like, cause you end up getting, Oh, is that why we can't grow? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you, like, yeah, like if you don't have someone who is focused and, and incentivized around like acquiring customers, um, it, it does limit your levers that you can pull for growth. And, and so like there, there's a, there's a choice there and I, I don't know the right answer. Um, yeah, but yeah, like, the, but like the more you incentivize growth, the, the, you know, the potential that it impacts customer services is, uh, is higher. The other, yeah. Final thought. And then we can, I'll stop digging into this topic that won't matter for several years. Probably leg up health is interesting because there's open enrollment, which is about what a month and a half, heavy, heavy, heavy service load. And then it's like, what's everyone doing the rest of the time? You could argue those people do sales and then during open enrollment, they do service. Yes. Um, and then you get into like, okay, um, uh, how do you, how do you do sales outside of open enrollment? It's really well, not but sales. I, but, we, but I think that's been cracked, right? That's true. They like it's employee enrollments. It's grabbing employers, building the uh, pipeline. It's getting AOR. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So for for people listening who uh, I know we talk about insurance all the time and it's so complicated, I feel like I have to keep repeating the basics. <laughs> you can really only buy insurance one time per year. But the new thing that has been working, I think you're going to talk about this later in this episode a little bit. So sorry to spoil a little bit of it, but like. You can take an employer that doesn't offer health insurance and say, hey, all your employees presumably are going out and buying their own health insurance already. Just like make us your recommended agent. Nothing has to change. That sale can happen any time of the year. The employer can say, yes, I'm endorsing you as the agent any time of year. And the employees who already have insurance can then make us the agent of record on their current plan. They just can't buy a new plan. So there is like 
sales can happen any time of the year. And they could have a life event, right? Like they could hire some new person who's recently moved or is losing health insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would be a life event for us to enroll them outside. So there's a lot of value there and a lot of opportunity. Um, So yeah, like that's a good point. So yeah, it's got, it's probably a customer service person who's willing, like during, who's willing, a person who's willing to like be very reactive um, and service oriented uh, during our busy season. And then outside of that, um, you know, spend 80% of their time like kind of prospecting. Yeah. The thing I like about that is if you've ever dealt with a salesperson at, I don't know about insurance, but like at software companies, they're, they're worthless. You ask them any question, they're just like, uh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. <laughs> Yeah. Like, do you know anything about the product you're selling? <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, I haven't really thought about like leveraging the seasonality as a advantage in terms of like how we staff sales and customer service. But what you're basically saying is just like make open enrollment about service mm-hmm. and make outside of open enrollment about awareness and pipeline, like future demand generation. Um, and yeah, maybe you'll get some sales outside of open enrollment, but worst case, you'll just like, full, you'll, you'll take, you'll fully utilize the staff that you have for service. And yeah. then worst case, you're overstaffed during open enrollment. There's some buffer there in terms of finances to, to allow for that. And then, you know, you have a plan that you're executing to, to try to generate some more demand. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I realize this is super premature, so I'll stop. No, it's actually <laughs> useful because um, we have to decide what we're going to do next year. We're going to have most likely, uh, if we continue on, like I'll talk about this inflection point real quick. Like we we are seeing an inflection point. We are uh, we, we we sort of just like created a cheat code for JD to basically offer the software component of our employer product at free uh, and then upsell the concierge. Um, and he's done that now. So he's unlocked the free version for like seven or eight accounts. And then he has upsold uh, the concierge now a couple of times. So, um, so let's, let's define all this. So yeah. from my perspective, what happened here, he, he's got his like pipe drive lead pipeline and he's mm-hmm. like, here's all these employers in here. And he was basically saying, they're all interested. None of them want to pay 20 bucks per user per month or whatever. Like the whole point is they don't have insurance. They don't want to spend any money. So when you say it's, we made it free, they can enroll all their employees in our software and then JD will help them find insurance. If they the reach employer, out, if, if they reach out, the employer pays nothing. We get commissions on the insurance that we sell to the employees. And then you said you're upselling concierge. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, just like having us on call for someone who needs marketplace quotes is not that useful as a benefit uh, to the employees. Um, it's a lead generation service for us, basically. Um, so w- the, uh, we're still figuring out how to position the co- the, the employer uh, HR concierge thing. But effectively, uh, for 20 bucks a month per employee, we have two customers or three customers now paying us for this, where they will uh, basically pay us uh, a couple hundred bucks a month for five, six, seven, eight, you know, 10 employees to be on call for any uh, health insurance related question they could possibly come up. And so like if someone needs help enrolling in Medicaid or they have a question about um, their Medicare plan or some something that we're not the agent on or they have a spouse coverage, we're there to help them uh, navigate that. And we take the call even if we're not the agent. I like that a lot. Or I have no idea if that'll work, but a thing that I we joke around about a lot at Lessening Serum is selling or offering for free depending on what we're talking about service for other CRMs. The joke being like their support is so bad. We're going to support their product better than they do. And then dot, dot, dot. Obviously it's a terrible business move, but we've, we've often joked. You're kind of doing that. You're saying 
your spouse has a group plan and it's the agent is so bad your employer is going to pay us to provide support for their group plan. I think that's yep. amazingly trollish. I love it. Yeah. And then we meet the spouse and then we get introduced to their employer. And then there's a lead there too for a group uh, group customer. Oh yeah, so true. It's, there's all sorts of legs on this. But the inflection point potential here is that we just unlocked the cheat code. JD has started using that cheat code. It's leading to lots of leads and then also immediate revenue from a subscription standpoint. Like just overnight, like hundreds of leads uh, for consumer uh, uh, enrollments. And so um, it's likely, you know, that uh, there's two things I want to talk about here. One is I want to talk about like, is this what an inflection point feels like? I guess you don't really know until it happens um, and then it like, plays out a little bit, but it feels like we may have just broken our, like we're going to have to figure out how to staff this thing next year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which, which talks, leads us into a conversation of like, okay, well, how do we staff this thing? How do we stay like we're gonna we're gonna um, enter the year uh, February first with some like base uh, like level of recurring revenue uh, based on our existing customer base? It's gonna be somewhere between ten thousand dollars and twenty thousand dollars. I'm pretty confident. Um, how do we want to invest that? Yeah, I I love this. Be like my, probably my main complaint about my experience at Leg Up Health thus far is because I started in February or March or something like that. I you know only a half day a week or something. It's not like I'm doing much, but there's been very little daydreaming, mm. which is correct. I'm not blaming you or J like <laughs> you have very limited time to put into it. And JD knows exactly what he needs to go do. There's been no reason to daydream up until this point, but that's like the part, the startup fun that's been missing. And I love what I'm hearing from you is like, well, who knows if it'll be valuable to daydream about this. So let's go do it and see where <laughs> it takes us. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I might, you know, I, I actually do think that the, the conversation around like, who do we hire? What do we ask them to do? What, what expectations do we set when we hire them? Um, you know, like that's a, that's gonna be a very real question we have to answer in February. Yeah. So when does the, do you think the actions have to happen in February or do you think the discussion starts then? I, so what, what, what you're point, what I just took away from our previous conversation about who to hire, if we believe that the person pays for themselves outside of open enrollment, meaning they generate the demand that, that makes them a positive return on investment outside of open enrollment, that means we hire them immediately. Yeah. The, th that's if we have enough leads to hand them. Cause like, no, the, the, that's what? if we, if we want them to go generate leads, Well, if, if they can generate leads. Yes. But yeah. there is, um, you could interpret the same narrative as JD, like there's less to do outside of open enrollment than there is during it. JD can do the growth stuff outside of it. And then the first time we're going to be, have a capacity problem is next open enrollment potentially. But you're, you're right. If, if we can hire someone and they just immediately make money, that, that seems like a stretch to me. Well, that, but that's the point. Like you don't, if you don't try it, you don't know yeah. it. And yeah, so like, yeah. and so what, what I got excited about from our previous conversation, like, 10 minutes ago was like, oh, well, maybe we do hire someone quickly and we say, you know, you, you know, we're, we'll, we'll basically like prepare for open enrollment, but like right now we need you to like go generate demand. Um, here's how you're going to do it. And also you're going to service our customer, learn, learn how to service all of our customers. So JD can generate more demand. Yeah. That seems pretty interesting. A tough thing here is they all have to be like, uh, certified or whatever. What, I don't licensed. know. Term, licensed. Yeah. Um, like they have to be an insurance agent, even even if there was just a sales role. I don't I don't know what the legality around this is, but like I assume a lot of 
pure sales conversations are still going to be like, well, I've got these group health insurance plans. Talk me through it. My understanding is you're not allowed to offer any guidance at all if you're not licensed. Is that right? Nope. You couldn't like, we we could hire like uh, someone to set a meeting uh, for JD, but the minute you start talking about plans or answering any sort of questions, Mm -hmm. uh, it gets, um, you get into territory of of violating the rules. So like right off the bat, this is already, you can't follow a normal SaaS sales team model because they all have to be licensed insurance agents. What's interesting though, is like you could hire someone and say like, you could design a a 60 day onboarding plan where it's like in your first 60 days, you're going to learn how to, uh, you know, prospect our ICP, uh, use all of our tools, set meetings for JD, shadow JD, and you're going to get licensed so that you can start doing what JD's doing all in the first 60 days. Um, and you're going to learn a ton. Like that, that's something you, you could get someone on the phones. Like, is and, that that's doable? Like it's not that much work to get licensed. No, it's, it's, um, it's more intimidating than it is hard. Hmm. Okay. Cause yeah, I'm, uh, I have in my head what makes a really good like service person having hired a number of really good service people, but like, would they be good at taking the test? You know, like, and maybe the answer is yes. Maybe it's like, like up should be hiring the exact same type of person, but I wonder if there's a different set of skills that like you need even just to pass the test, but then also to be an insurance agent. Yeah. And then there, like there, there's a couple of things that are really important for us. Um, like attention to detail is super important, especially during our phase because Jay's doing a lot of meticulous things, transferring data back and forth between the various uh, systems that he works in and getting that wrong could be really bad for us. Um, there's, you know, uh, you know, you, you can't like misquote someone like, Oh, you, oh, I'm sorry. I put, you put the wrong pharmacy in. I put the wrong pharmacy in your quote. Like no, right. that changes it. Like it's, it's like super important to like be on, on like attention to detail, super important, which I think is, is part of being a good customer service person. Um, so yeah, you have to be able to talk to people you don't know uh, very right. well, which is also another thing. So one, one thing, what you were just saying and we were just saying is basically hire another JD train them up, give them all that, give them support. But like the, the idea is they become AJD. And then the other approach you've talked about before is like, what are the things only JD can do? Or what are the things that are hard to reproduce? And like, you can find uh, an admin assistant that can copy fields around with, they are detail oriented, but they aren't a licensed insurance agent. Um, you could find someone who can set up phone calls and all that and, and have more of a specialist approach and then say, JD is spending 100% of his time right now, but he could do five times as much of the high value stuff or whatever. Yep. Do you have an intuition as to which one of those is um, more appealing to you? Uh, I, I, I lean towards like the ideal scenario, which is like it, um, we're ultimately next year going to be limited by our capacity to enroll, uh, uh, actually do the hard, the work that J only JD can do with a license mm-hmm. um, in next open enrollment period. So trying to figure out how to solve that, bottleneck is more important than like marginally improving JD's like throughput. Okay. So let me put that in my words just to make sure I'm understanding it. Like there's, there may be benefit to making JD more efficient the other months out of the year, but the bottleneck is just during open enrollment. So anything that doesn't help that part of the process, which is work that can only be done by an insurance agent, doesn't truly help the total throughput. I think so. I think fundamentally, like if we look at this business now that we've gotten, if assuming this is assuming we end up where we, where we want to be in February, 
like the the next challenge is how do we replicate JD, what JD the hard work J, JD is doing. It's not how do we make JD more efficient. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah. like, why? Like, sure, we could optimize that further, but like, is that really what we're all here to do? Yeah, I don't. I don't have nearly as much of a sense as you do of like what are the things JD is doing and what are the things that are hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can outsource licensed agent work, which is like, like the stuff that I think we need to figure out how to do without yeah. JD. If if we were a venture backed company, I think the the move would be offer our software platform to any agent, let them go do their th- offer offer them tools to make them a better agent. Basically, start a software powered agency. I'm guessing that doesn't have any appeal to you, but what like what's your reaction to hearing that? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to have. If you try to hire agents, they're, they're they think different, man. They think mm. about like they're salespeople. They're like, yeah. oh, how much are you going to pay me per policy I, I enroll? And like, who's pay? Which carrier is paying the most this year? It's like, no, 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 no. That's not <laughs> how we don't do commissions. Uh, there are no commissions. <laughs> right. There are no commissions on the policy, but there might be. Like you used the word quota earlier. A sales rep might get paid based on something adjacent to, but but they wouldn't get paid like a percentage of the insurance Correct. premium. Correct. I know that's, or I think that's partially for compliance reasons, but no, not not has nothing to do no, with compliance. Everything to do with incentive alignment. So they're not incentivized to sell a more expensive plan. Is that Correct. that's the yeah? Or uh, an insurance like it's it's rare that uh, individual. Health, health insurance in the realm that we play in is is paid as a percentage these days. It's usually per employee per month uh, or per enrolled member per month. Um, but like insurance companies get around that by offering bonuses. And so for example, Aetna is a new insurance company entering Utah this year. And to try to spice up for agents, like enroll me, they're paying like a $200 or $100 bonus per uh policy mm-hmm. enrolled. Gotcha. Yeah. And so like, oh, well that incentivizes the agent to pitch Aetna. Um, well, that's not, we, we would never let our, our agents be directly incentivized by that. The leg up health, the company still gets that bonus, but mm-hmm. it doesn't go to the agents. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, lots of stuff we, we could continue talking about. We probably no. have done enough there, yeah. but Yep. So that's what I'm ready to talk about probably in February. Yeah. Um, How is uh, open enrollment going? I mean, I know you said you feel like you've hit an inflection point, but like are just the normal renewing old people and like all the normal stuff you'd expect going according to plan? Yeah, I think so. Um, I I think, yeah, it's going well. Like I, it's too early to tell we're nine days in, um, but it feels way busier than last year. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Great. All right. More to come. Um, maybe I'll move over to some less annoying stuff right now. Let's do it. Uh, I don't have a ton of, like, like I said last time, I, I'm going to have a lot of boring updates. It just feels so calm right now. Um, like I've had a couple meetings recently with people where we're like, especially with like, so Michael manages the CRM coaches, Robert manages the devs. Um, a couple of times now I've had a meeting with one of them and we, you know, go in the conference room or whatever. And I'd be like, all right, what's, what's on your mind? And you'd be like, not, uh, you know, nothing, everything's good. And what about you? Anything you want to talk about? Nope. All right. 
meeting over. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that just doesn't happen during times of chaos. There's there's normal there's almost always not like a major fire to put out. Like we're not like a high drama company, but there's always, oh, this little thing's breaking, or because so and so's leave like they they announced they're quitting or whatever. Uh I just realized as of the end of this year, if knock on wood we can make it without anyone leaving, we will have gone two years without anyone leaving the company. That's wild. Yeah. Um now it took us six months to re- replace one of the people. So our most senior person has been here for a year and a half, but the person before them left about two years earlier or t- two years before now. It is so different just having a team of experienced people. Like no one really needs mentorship. All the basic company operating stuff works as planned. Someone goes on vacation and everyone else is just like, we know how it works. Don't-. Like Michael is about to take a sabbatical. Uh, he's going to be gone for whatever, six weeks, eight weeks. And this customer service team there's a lot of like prep work he has to do but the customer service team is just going to run fine without him it's wild you're basically saying that like when you don't hire anyone new that no one has to learn how to work with you all and it's so annoying to have to teach i mean i'm just gonna it's true when you're like operating and everyone kind of speaks the same language they get it they know what the prior they know they know how this thing works like the unspoken uh unwritten uh way of of doing things yeah you move so fast it, nope. Yes. Let me give a specific example of this. So um, three people in the office have basically are on all time pager duty. Like if the site goes down, my <laughs> phone, Robert's phone and Michael's phone blow up. If we're sitting in the office with a group of people and someone hears the noise, no one says a word. Everyone just looks at their computer and is like, I know what I, I'm going to go into Slack. I'm going to do this. Like there's just into action immediately if the site goes down, as opposed to everyone being like, oh, no, what's that noise? Oh, the site's down. What can I do to help? You know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun. I also just for I, I think this is obvious, but like until you feel it, maybe you don't realize it. The amount of work it takes to recruit somebody is immense, and then you hire them, and the amount of work it takes. Forget them being productive. The amount of productivity it takes away from the rest of your team to train them to mentor them. It takes us six months to train a CRM coach. Um, that's a lot of time. And then they're not as effective until probably a year, year and a half. Or on the dev team, like I do think CRM coaches hit a ceiling where it's like, you're probably still getting better in subtle ways, but you're already so much better than any other companies doing customer service. But on the dev team, like a person three years in is a lot better than someone two years in, especially because we're hiring almost entirely entry level people. So they're like, they're not just getting experience at our company, they're getting experience, period just everything is getting more and more and more efficient. And so I'm kind of crossing my fingers. No one quits. anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. Yeah. Well, that's a, I mean, when you have, you ultimately probably have to hire someone, right. Uh, if things go the way you want them to, or like the inevitable happens. So, yeah. and we have, a li- we have a little bit of that because we have three, three people kind of becoming devs. One was a CRM coach, two were DevOps. I've talked about this already. So like we are training three devs right now, sort of, but it's, yeah. As a ratio of the total company, it's great. So I agree. Enjoy. Well, you're it. making me like not want to hire anyone now. Well, no, but I mean, hiring people is so exciting too. My point isn't having one experienced person is better than having one experienced and one inexperienced. It's that having two experienced people is better than one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I, and also, it's. I will say the downside is it's a little boring. It's a little boring. I'm not bored. I I always find things to get excited about, but you can tell the team is kind of like, so we're just, this is what it is, huh? We're just this, maybe forever. 
yeah um anyway related to that uh i'm coding again and i i know i've said that like this is our 150th episode how many times have i said this like i'm coding again seven or eight uh but there's like there's not much ceo work for me to do right now um again not a lot of interviewing not not a lot of mentorship not a lot of fires to put out so i i find myself just like yeah, I've got like a day or two of CEO work next week, but I don't have five days of it. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm coding. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'm having a great time. It's amazing. Coding is so much more fun than being a CEO. <laughs> is there anything that you're working on that you're excited about? Um, I actually got started on the next kind of main priority, which is like bulk actions. Uh, I've talked about before. It's just kind of a new feature we're building. One, uh, give me your thoughts on this. One thing I'm debating. So our tech stack, we started in very normal PHP server rendered HTML, just like how website, how everything worked prior to 2010. Uh, nowadays, you have an SPA, a single page app, which is like there's some JavaScript. It could be written in Angular, or React, or whatever, but it's all JavaScript, one big JavaScript app. At which point you kind of have a separation of concerns. There's a front end code base, which is all JavaScript, and a back end code base, which is whatever language you want, PHP in our case. Um, I led the charge into React, and there was a time when I knew it, but I didn't keep coding for long enough to retain that skill set. So I would say I'm a, conceptually, I get React. I have no idea, like, the exact syntax or what. Like, I, I would have to relearn it, basically. I'm still very, very familiar with how the whole backend works. What I'm trying to decide is, should I just be like, I know how the backend works. I'm just going to find backend projects and stay in my lane. Or should I be like, I think maybe this column is going to last for long enough that it's worth me actually becoming a full stack developer. Well, I know where I stand on this. Where's that? Go learn something new, man. Life's too mm. short. Mm. You know, that's sounds obvious. I wasn't thinking about what would be more fun. Minimize regret here. What, what, like if you never had this time again in your life, what would you rather do? Yeah. The problem is I don't like react. <laughs> I do in the same, it's the right technology to choose. It's you need it to build the type of app we we want to build, but it's not fun. You'll always be able to work in the back end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. Uh I'm going to put some more thought into that, but I I that, I thought that might turn into a whole thing and it didn't. You're you're you've got clarity there. It it is also wild though like now when I write code, a different developer reviews it and they're like <laughs> Hey, asshole, like we don't do it this way anymore. <laughs> you cause a lot of problems for us by doing well, did, that. Will anyone, um, will people be honest with you or will they like let you deploy stuff and then see if it squeaks? Uh, I, I'm getting some pushback, so they'll at least be a little <laughs> honest with me. I do think probably if I, what I'm not sure about, I think a healthy dynamic is pushback to the pushback. I think sometimes like code reviewers leave a note and it's like, no, actually I thought about it and this is, I, I did that intentionally. I think if I do that, probably like some people would be hesitant to then push back to my pushback to their pushback. Um, that's just me guessing. I have no idea. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like it is, I, I try to be as much a man of the people as I can. It is probably true. It's difficult for a CEO to, to get in a genuine debate, like about a technical topic or whatever with someone. Oh, absolutely. Now, now here's what I had one more thought about this, uh, going back to the original topic. Um, there, I think minimizing regret is one way to think about this. Another way for you to think about it is what is closer to the dollar? Like what's going to help you contribute more meaningfully to growth? Um, and I think that's a short-term versus long-term thing because the learning process provides zero value in the short term, but long-term then I can work on whatever. 
the the sacrifice being like I can ship stuff immediately if I stay focused on what I already know. But long and actually, right now, what we need is what I know. But you could imagine a scenario where I'm working on like the sixth most important thing because the top five are all outside my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I guess back to the theme of the last few episodes for me. We're raising prices on legacy users. We're buying ourselves runway. Every single thing we do should be long-term thinking right now. Is that the conclusion you would reach as well, you think? Yeah, this is not like this particular, this is not an urgent, like this is not driven by urgency. Therefore, uh, you should, uh, there's no reason to to be short-sighted. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I think I, I'm really hoping that this is the new normal. Um, you know, we're not hiring interns this summer. Uh, that'll save a lot of my time. Uh, again, you know, someone would have to leave or whatever, but I, I think it's possible. I'll just be able to spend a couple days coding long term here. Maybe be awesome. We'll see. We'll see. I know that's also good for you because like leg up health benefits from me being better at coding. <laughs> I tried not to, I tried to put aside my biases for my, yeah. how, how I uh, responded to this topic. The reality is everything leg up health needs is in my wheelhouse already. The, <laughs> the stuff I would be learning would not help you guys at all. Unfortunately, what about like a mobile app? Um, sure. I if we did that at Less Annoying, I would not be the one to lead that charge. Do you think Leg Up Health needs a mobile app? Not now, but I, I think there is utility in uh, having your digital insurance cards um, across multiple insurance companies at your fingertips in one app. I do not think it would be hard to build a Leg Up Health mobile app. Like with Less Annoying CRM, it's there's just so much to the app and the software and so many edge cases and all that. Leg up health is like upload a file. Here's the file. The end. Um, I, I don't mean, think it would be that hard. Fundamentally, like the, 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 the MVP would be, you know, carry your carry insurance cards around digital insurance cards around from all of your insurance companies. Uh, whereas like you have apps with these insurance companies, uh, mm-hmm. but you have to have a separate app for each one. Is there a way to get that card? Like they offer an API or something to download the image? We we have everything we need for the card um, on the policy already. It's really just oh, an we, ID. We, uh, okay, yeah. I guess my dumb, like uh, like the, the brain of someone who's not in the insurance industry is like, there's something magic about the card. The card See, just I, has to have the info. It just has to have like, there's like anywhere from like one to five things on an insurance card, which are effectively just numbers or, okay. or codes, I should say. Still got to make it look like a card. Yeah. That's- I mean, design wise, you can make it look prettier <laughs> than what we have right now, but yeah. Um, cool. The only other update I had, this is just, uh, there's really not much to talk about here, but I, in the past we've talked anytime like new lingo gets invented at the company. Uh, it always kind of tickles my fancy a little. Um, I mentioned this on the podcast before, so as a reminder, the CRM coaching team had extra time and we we're trying to figure out how to use it. And I made the analogy of that. Jar. There's like a jar. And if you fill it, if you, if you have like rocks, pebbles and sand to fill it with, if you do sand first and then pebbles and then rocks, all the stuff doesn't fit. Uh, but if you do rocks first and then fill it in with pebbles and then fill it in with sand, it all fits because the sand fills in the, the gaps left by the rocks, right? That's the analogy. This is like really sunken in to company terminology. So we now have the term sand project. Um, so anyone can, which just means a project, like I don't have time set aside for it. It's if I have free time, I'll get to it. And if I don't, I won't. 
And now you can just call it Sand Project. And everyone <laughs> knows what you mean. And it's I just love these little shorthands. And the next time you hire someone, they're going to be like... <laughs> yeah what are you talking about i have heard people complain about going to work at like big companies and they're like I, everything is a buzzword here yeah exactly but they're uh, kind of fun aren't they yeah i mean it's it's always cool to watch culture evolve yeah uh do, do you um oh i had a question related to this do, do you do you invent do you intention like do you try to create these terms or do you just let them come about naturally uh, this one I would say was pretty natural. Like I made yeah. the analogy intentionally and then I did call them rock projects and sand projects in the newsletter that I sent out to everybody. I was not anticipating people continuing to call them sand projects. So that was a happy accident. We have though been trying to, uh, you, you in the past have commented on like that maybe we pay attention to culture in a way that's good. And like, I don't think I'm consciously doing it. So let me say this. We have been trying to name stuff not like sand projects, not like a concept, but like naming projects. Mm. Um, we've never done this in the past. I know it's a little cringy and like companies do this in a really... What's the what's an example? Well, yeah. So uh, I'll give you two examples. Um, our developer, Reno, built this tool that ingests data from our database into Elasticsearch, which is like our search engine tool. Um, there's an existing one out there, but we didn't like it. So we built our own but it's shitty. And he's like, what can we call this to acknowledge it's not very good, but it works for our needs. And so we called it Reno's shitty. And then some acronym I forget, but it spells, it sounds like wrestler. So we call it wrestler. So that's a version of it. We have a tool we built called wrestler. Maybe the better one wrestler Reno's shitty something. I forget what the last part is. (laughs) The, uh, the other one that I like more though, we, we started naming some things after company pets. So uh, one of our CRM coaches, Emma, built a tool that like generates templates for customers based on like a chat GPT prompt. So any CRM coach that's talking to a customer can like get a full account customization generated by chat GPT if it's like a weird industry they've never heard of before. That's called the Mabel because Mabel is Emma's cat. That type of thing is what I'm talking about here. That's hilarious. A little corny. Corny. Yeah. <laughs> The Mabel. <laughs> I like it though. It's I, I, people. People have found joy. We, uh, just little people like pets. Really, the, the lesson here is people like animals. <laughs> <laughs> we always had uh, we the the way conference rooms are another one. So they get these names. Do you yeah, have conference, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just names? do. We paint one wall in each conference room is painted different colors. So we have the blue room and the green room. Oh, that's so creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so I have one last topic we can sneak in here. Yep, go for it. Um, it is uh, about this uh, X social media platform, formerly known as Twitter. Um, and I just find it like less valuable than I used to, and I can't figure out why. But like every time I log in, I feel like I get like more notifications that are of less value. And then I I never log in at the top of my feed. I log in at like some random part of the feed. I have to scroll up to get to like the most recent stuff. It's really strange and I can't tell if it's intentional um, <laughs> or if it's just like the product getting worse over time and I'm starting to feel it. Yeah. I think, I think it's probably both. I definitely feel that as well. Are you using the algorithmic feed or the uh, chronological? I don't know. I, I always tried to use the chron- chronological previously, but who knows if they've changed that on me. Um, yeah, definitely. Not that I realize the point of this is not you asking me for advice on how to use Twitter, but if you use following instead of for you, I think the experience is pretty similar to how it always was. 
Mm. It's not as good, but the for you is where it got way worse, in my opinion. I don't know if you. But, I don't so, like, you, you talked about, well, what I'm. Okay. Notifications. I'm not experiencing that problem. You're, they're sending you a bunch of stupid notifications you don't want. Have you tried unsubscribing from those? I'm looking at it right now. No, I don't think I can unsubscribe from them. Huh. Because I don't get those for the most part. Every once in a while I do, but I mostly yeah, I get, get like, notifications. Uh, like this person posted, and, and because of that, uh, I, I get notified that they posted. And it's like, I don't care. I don't. There's not three little dots, and you can be like, don't show me this. See this less. I can say see this less often. Yeah. That's not very. I don't know. Like, I, I, like, I know. Like, it's not definitive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so for me, the thing that's gotten so much worse is if you look in some. So two things. The algorithmic feed is full of engagement bait. It's just thread boys. It used to be I'd go there and it would show me the things I missed from the people I follow. Yes. As well as some other relevant things. And now it's just like some like stupid topic I don't care about at all. That's just going viral. That's problem number one for me. Problem number two is if you do click into a thread, all of the people who pay show up in the comments above the people who don't. And so the comments are worthless. Like it's a bunch of bots and trolls in the comments. And then you have to scroll, 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 scroll to get to the non-verified people. And then that's where the good comments are. That's terrible. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Still. I've just, I've just like noticed that I, 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 I get more, I used to go to Twitter uh, anytime I had a real time question I wanted to answer to when I couldn't find Google, like Google didn't answer the question um, or Google wasn't up to date enough. Mm. Um, and now I just, I'm getting frustrated by the results of that search. It used to be very fulfilling. Like, Oh, this is exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. And now it's like, Oh, this is just garbage. And still, I don't know where else to go. Like, yeah, there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the, it really feels like there's just, all social media is like sunsetting almost like not that it won't be there, not even that we won't use it, but just it's like a tax on our mental health and nothing else. There's just none of the fun. There's none of the joy anymore. I feel like we're just getting old, except I think young people are even less on these things than we are. My they niece like and nephew are on Snapchat and TikTok all day long, like just, just snap. TikTok's not really social media. TikTok's just short YouTube videos. Like, I don't think people are That's having TV. network of friends and they're messaging and they're posting Snapchat, up they are. Snapchat, Snapchat they are. Snapchat, yes, yeah. yes. We don't I, even I know. I do, you, do you Snapchat? No, I don't. I mean, that's something I feel like you and I just don't even understand. The funny thing is, like, 10 years ago, it was like... It just keeps getting it's it's young people, but every other social media, young people became old people, right? Like Twitter was 20 somethings and then those 20 somethings became 30 and 40 somethings and we're still the main Twitter audience. Snapchat seems to cycle through and it's always young people. <laughs> and I suspect it's because young people have much more reason to want things to auto delete than adults <laughs> do. <laughs> That's just a guess. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, anything else you want to talk about? No, I think I'm good. I've, I've, we have a, a long list of stuff. I feel bad because like months ago, some listeners sent in questions and I was like, yeah, we'll get to those at some point. And we never did. And now I would almost feel like I would be insulting them if I brought up <laughs> one of these questions that someone asked like six months ago. Yeah. Um, 
So no, I'm just going to declare bankruptcy on that. If you if you send in a question, I really appreciate it. It's on my list. I feel guilty about it. Thank you for sending it in. <laughs> well, if feel free like, to send it in again. <laughs> if you'd like to send more questions in or check uh, past topics, you could visit startthelast.com for Tyler's contact information. Um, we'll see you next time. <laughs> see ya.